Hello again, this is Sam King coming at you with another Boilers Extra podcast. It is the second of such of these that I have done. Um, I know it's been a couple weeks. Clearly there's been a lot of news in Purdue athletics, mainly football and men's basketball uh, since that time. So uh, we'll get right into it. Uh, obviously the big news with Purdue's football team has been who is not going to play in the bowl game and who is going to be here Uh, Moving forward, the big news that came yesterday was that Brady Allen, a four-star quarterback uh, from Gibson Southern High School, uh, redshirted this year, only played, I believe, in one game, announced he's going in the transfer portal. He is the 12th, I believe, Boilermaker to say he's going in the transfer portal. Um, The same day, uh, some clarity on why that decision was probably made was that Hudson Card, a redshirt sophomore quarterback with three years of eligibility remaining, he is committed to Purdue uh, via the transfer portal. So I would expect him to probably be in the running to be Purdue's starting quarterback uh, under Coach Ryan Walters and with Graham Harrell's system. Uh, Coach Harrell did see Hudson Card play. Hudson uh, was a starting quarterback for Texas this season when uh, the Longhorns played West Virginia, and uh, Texas won that game. And Probably what was the best performance of the season for Hudson Cardi threw for three touchdowns. I believe he completed 21 of 27 passes and threw for over 300 yards. So clearly a very capable quarterback. He uh, was very uh, highly sought after by all of the big name programs coming out of high school. Chose Texas over the likes of uh, Ohio State, Alabama, you know, a list of schools that are similar in ilk that, uh, you know, everybody gets excited when, uh, when those schools are involved and, and know that it's a, a top talent. So I, I think that's a big get. Uh, one thing that kind of came out of this was the uh, tweet from uh, Coach Walters before uh, the, the announcement that uh, the Hudson card was transferring. Uh, it was just Coach Walters sitting in his car, kind of bopping his head to some rap music. And, uh, you know, Maybe not a big deal to some. Maybe he comes off as arrogant uh, to some, um, of which you know I, I believe that uh, Ryan Walters is somewhat confident in himself. He said that in his uh, press conference to introduce himself to uh, Purdue alumni, fans, uh, and then media that uh, you know he thinks very highly of himself, and it's not so much in a cocky or arrogant way, but it, it can kind of come off that way. But he was bopping his head and, and just said, "Big news! Christmas isn't over yet." This is something that I think appeals to um, you know the younger crowd when you're recruiting 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 in Hudson Card's case, you know I think 21 year old players um, they see that and kind of maybe uh, assimilate that with kind of a cool factor. So uh, that that's something that you know appeals to probably the younger audience that it appealed to me just because I think hey here's something different where you know if I'm a, a high school kid looking to go someplace that uh, I think that the coach is going to get me. Uh, maybe Purdue is a place for that. Uh, so, you know, I think that it's starting to kind of take shape. There were only 11 players who signed uh, last week during the early signing period, and there was some concern, it seemed, among Purdue fans that it was such a small recruiting class. I would expect um, that number to grow exponentially with players coming out of the transfer portal and then also with the uh, – Signing period in February, I would, I would think Purdue will get a few more at least uh, then, and it will be a, a nice size recruiting class. There are going to be challenges, obviously, as, as there is with any coaching change. Um, you don't, 
you know, you're going to get some players that you didn't recruit and you're going to have to find out how they fit your defensive and offensive systems. And, uh, you know, going forward, they're going to be without some, some key players that uh, initially Purdue fans thought were going to be around next year. Three of them, uh, you know, Branson Dean, Jack Sullivan, and uh, uh, Lawrence Johnson. Sorry, his name escaped me for a minute. Um, all announced that they are in the portal. They all were, you know, key players on the defensive line this year. So, um, you know, I think at least a couple of those are probably a surprise. Um, Brady Allen was maybe a surprise until the news of Hudson Card came in. Um, I don't know that the loss of Brady Allen is a huge loss. I know he was a, a top recruit. I know he's six foot five and, and looks the part. Um, I had been told during the season he, he, there were some struggles, as, as there are with any freshman going through the first year of college full, just kind of adapting to the college game. Now, that's something that as you get older, you, you hopefully figure out. Um, but, you know, if he does, it probably won't be at Purdue. He could still return to Purdue. Um, just because you go in the portal doesn't mean your your time with the program is over. It just means you're kind of shopping yourself to see what else is available. Um, some other guys that are in there, Spencer Holstedge, I, I talked about last time. Uh, he has committed to UCLA, was a three-year starting lineman on the offense for Purdue. Um, that's a huge blow. Um, kind of stinks for the bowl game on top of that. So you're without him. Chris Van Akeren, who was the guy you saw uh, performing kickoffs for Purdue, he is in the transfer portal. And then um, just some other guys that um, either didn't play a whole lot, if at all, um, kind of rounds out that number of 12. So it's going to be a thin roster in the Citrus Bowl. It's not surprising. Uh, you have a, a coaching staff or what remains of a coaching staff that will be outgoing after this game as uh, Coach Walters kind of puts his staff together for next year. I think getting Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator was a huge uh, draw for you know Purdue kind of keeping the offensive style of play that fans are accustomed to here, which is – Graham Harrell's going to throw the ball all over the lot. Anybody who's familiar with his time playing in college, he was uh, in a you know pass-happy system at Texas Tech, uh, threw for a ton of yards, broke a bunch of records in college football, and he's kind of maintained a similar style uh, through his coaching career, uh, which now brings him to West Lafayette. So we'll move forward uh, to the, the Citrus Bowl maybe a little bit. And um, something I brought up on, on Twitter yesterday that – uh, a lot of people were either upset with me or tried to justify or, or tell me that my argument or my statement made no sense was that uh, these players opting out um, of the bowl game, the, you know, Aiden O'Connell's, Charlie Jones, Payne Durham, Corey Trice, uh, those guys opting out is not uncommon uh, in these bowl games. These players jumping in the transfer portal is not uncommon. I know it looks like a lot, a lot of departures, and people want to fix blame to either Brom leaving or Walters coming in and not maintaining those guys. But this stuff happens everywhere. It happened to LSU, who is Purdue's upcoming opponent, um, last year really badly during a, a similar situation where Brian Kelly came in as the, the new head coach and they were going through an interim coach in the bowl game. LSU had 38 scholarship players uh, against Kansas State last year in the bowl game and, and got beat up pretty badly. I think it was you know 20-something point loss to Kansas State. So um, it's just the way the college football world works now. Uh, it's a strange world where players don't finish out the seasons, you know, ones that uh, could potentially go to the NFL. It used to be maybe if you were a first-round pick or a 
first or second round pick, fringe third round pick, maybe you opt out. And now it's it seems to be almost anybody that um, is an NFL draft draft hopeful um, doesn't want to take that risk of getting hurt or wants to take that time to get with um, you know a training staff that can put them in a the best possible position to get drafted uh, by an NFL team. So you know LSU this year is in the same boat. I think they've had uh, three defensive linemen opt out of this Citrus Bowl, a uh, cornerback opt out of the Citrus Bowl, one of their top receivers, Jeray Jenkins. Uh, I think he has the most touchdown receptions on the team this year. He has opted out, and then LSU's got a, a you know more than a handful of guys in the transfer portal as well. So that's what it is. Uh, it's a bowl game where you're not going to see the same teams that you saw all year long. Um, you will see Jaden Daniels, the, uh, the quarterback for LSU, who is uh, he's a problem. He's going to be a, a big problem for – Purdue's defense, uh, he's nearing 3,000 passing yards this season, nearing 1,000 rushing yards, uh, complete dual-threat quarterback, which I think is something that, uh, especially when you talk about the inexperience Purdue's going to have uh, playing on the defensive side of the ball, uh, it's, it's going to be tough guy to stop. It was going to be a tough guy to stop even if you know all the starters were there, even if Corey Trice hadn't opted out. Um, but even more so now, uh, that's, that's something you have to account for is when he rolls out, is he going to take off running? Is he going to throw it over my head? You have to stay very assignment sound. And even, even if you do, I think that this is an athlete that, uh, you know, still is going to pick up some yards. So uh, just kind of eager to see how it goes. It really is more than anything, kind of a chance for uh, the young guys to get experience. When you reach a bowl game, the biggest thing that comes out of it is all of the extra practice time that you get and guys that are deeper on the depth chart get, you know, another month of practice uh, football preparation. Some of them get into elevated roles and that benefits them moving forward. So that's really the biggest thing to come out of that. And then come January 2nd, you know, the, the coaches that are here now are, are gone. Um, the new staff is going to take over and, and probably give them a little bit of time off and then come spring ball, uh, try to evaluate what they've got. So that is uh, where Purdue football stands right now. Uh, in terms of, of Drew Brees, uh, I know a lot of people have asked, you know, is he going to be retained? Is this something where he wants to get into coaching? I had asked, um, I had asked Drew this last week. I said, is this a foot in the door to possibly a coaching career? And it sounds like at least at this time, he has no interest in that, which uh, is kind of what I thought. But I asked the question anyway, because a lot of people have been floating it out there that that was a possibility. Uh, he's very successful as a businessman in Louisiana. Uh, he's you know, got more money than anybody ever needs. Uh, but he's just willing to, with a, a small coaching staff right now, willing to come in and offer his input. Um, you know, his 20 years of NFL experience can't hurt for not only the quarterbacks, but for guys on defense, for the receivers, for everybody to kind of be around and get to pick his brain a little bit. Um, another big thing is is that he got a, you know, a, I don't know what the, the word is here, but he's allowed to recruit. He had to get a special exemption, I believe, from the NCAA. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for, uh, to be able to help with recruiting while he's technically on staff here for a few weeks. And I don't know how much that played into Hudson Card transferring here. Um, Hudson Card is from Drew Brees' neck of the woods in Texas. So I imagine there is some familiarity there. Uh, and then, you know, if, if he comes in here and he's shaking hands with Drew Brees and being told, about all the great things that you can do in Purdue's offense. Um, that's, you know, probably impressionable on a, a young man who's 
looking to uh, find the best fit for his career moving forward and you know maybe has uh, aspirations of trying to play in the NFL once his college career is over so um, we'll kind of uh, wrap that up there I will answer I got an email with a couple of questions that I'll I'll try to tackle here Um, you can always email me or message me on Twitter at Samuel T. King. I'm on Instagram at Samuel T. King. My email is sking, S-K-I-N-G, at jconline.com. Uh, a couple questions. One was, um, did it feel like Brom kind of mailed it in this season, knowing that Louisville was going to open up this year, and, and basically it was his job if he wanted it? Um, I don't think so, not, not at all. Uh, Purdue won the Big Ten West uh, and had to basically crawl out of a – self-inflicted wound with the Iowa game to do so. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's, if you're coaching a football program, your intent is always to win as long as you're the man in charge. And at the time, you know, early in the season, yeah, there was a lot of talk of Louisville was struggling, the coach was going to be gone, Jeff Brown was going to leave, and that talk has been around basically for, for five years anyway, that he ultimately was going to go to Louisville. And I think that Purdue Athletic Director Mike Bowinski knew that was going to be the case at some time. Um, he wanted to retain Jeff Brom. I think Jeff Brom said, you know, the time's just right. I need to move on. And so Purdue needed to move on as well, which it did with, with the hire of Ryan Walters. But uh, I don't believe that Brom's staff mailed it in at all. Um, and halfway through the year, Louisville got on a little run, got into the top 25, and you started to think, you know, well, now that job's not going to be open because of the success that Louisville's having. Um, had, uh, at least from the verbal commitment standpoint, secured a, a top-notch recruiting class. So uh, it kind of felt like, okay, maybe the time is not right or that that's just not a job that's going to be open next year. So I think that Brom you know, coached all the way through um, Big Ten title game. He, he had Michigan uh, in some situations early where people were thinking, oh, man, Purdue has a chance to to win the Big Ten championship and also ruin Michigan's chances for the college football playoff. That ultimately did not happen. And then once the Louisville job became open, it was pretty much uh, a foregone conclusion that Coach Brom was going to leave Purdue. It's not surprising that he left Purdue before the bowl game. That's, again, the world of college football these days. So, no, I, I do not believe that, that Coach Brom and his staff mailed it in at all uh, this season, even – if they knew the Louisville staff was or the Louisville job was going to open. Um, another kind of similar question that I'll answer real quick was, um, was Jeff Brom starting to wear thin within the building? Um, I'm going to say, as I said earlier, Mike Bobinski wanted Jeff Brom to stay. I don't think from that standpoint, uh, it wore thin at all. Uh, he did a, I think he did. I think coach Brom and his staff did a phenomenal job in six years here taking over what uh, was the Daryl Hazel era, um, pretty much probably the worst Power 5 football program in the country. And you win nine games last year, win eight games this year, you still have a chance to win nine. Um, you know, I don't think that Purdue's going to beat LSU, but the possibility is there that Purdue could end with nine wins two years in a row. Um, I imagine there are some people that are probably worth it on. Um, it happens everywhere. There's Anybody who's ever worked anywhere knows there are people you get along with. There's people you don't get along with. Um, so, you know, without any total uh, insider knowledge on that regard, I'm going to say there are probably some people within Purdue Athletics that, um, you know, Jeff Brom and, and some of his staff members were thin on, but that's not 
uh, out of the ordinary whatsoever. So, you know, it doesn't matter now. It's not, it's not a problem. Uh, Ryan Walters is here. He's uh, putting a staff together and it's just kind of time to move forward and, and kind of stop dwelling on Jeff Brom being here or not being here. Uh, we'll switch gears a little bit now uh, quickly to basketball. Uh, the men's basketball team is ranked number one for the third straight week, uh, which is, you know, everybody's celebrating after last year when the team was ranked number one, went to Rutgers and lost on essentially a half-court shot in its first game as the number one team. Uh, do I think Purdue is the best team in the country right now? I would say probably not. You look at an Arizona, if you watch UConn, those teams look really, really good. But you look at the resumes, and, and Purdue, I think, has the best resume right now of the teams that are you know highly ranked, beating Duke, beating Gonzaga, beating Marquette, beating West Virginia. Um, those are high-quality wins that uh, are the reason Purdue vaulted from unranked to in the top 25 to number 5 to number 1 all in a span of basically a month. Um, that, that doesn't happen very often, and I think that uh, voters probably realized after you know the first stretch, first wave of non-conference games, that Purdue probably deserved more recognition. And then after um, winning that Phil Knight Legacy Tournament in Oregon, was like, well, maybe this is a way better team than we thought. Clearly, Zach Eady was a, a big reason for that with what he's done this year. Um, kind of piggybacking off of that, Eady did not play in the last game against New Orleans, which um, I'm not going to say it was a good thing, but it was a good thing also that's. Purdue had to play without him and learn how to play without him. Listen, there's going to come a time where it hasn't happened yet this year, but where Zach Eady, he gets two fouls in the first half, or he's you know got three fouls early in the second half, and you have to play some extended minutes without Zach on the floor. And he's seven foot four. He's a force. Uh, makes a lot of things look easier because he can he can easily get rebounds. He you know is, is very large, very hard human to move around. So. You can't really box him out. And so I've seen him be boxed out and just reach over the top of a guy and, and get a rebound, which uh, I've heard fans cry that's over the back. It's it's not over the back when you're a foot taller than somebody or you can extend your arms that additional 12 inches um, without jumping over the guy's back. Uh, so, yeah, he does make a lot of things look easier. Players said after that New Orleans game, you know, it is easier. You know, Braden Smith said when you can just drive to the basket and throw it up there and you know he's going to go get it. Um that wasn't there, but it took about 10 minutes for Purdue to figure out how to play without him, I think. Uh, it was clear. You're losing to a you know a pretty bad team that you should run out of the gym for about 10 minutes, and then uh, you go on a 25-2 to run. So clearly this is a team that's good enough to figure it out. Um, we'll have to figure it out against much better competition than New Orleans. So it probably was a good thing that the Boilers – got New Orleans without Zach Eady to kind of figure those things out with. Uh, a little out, some other guys to step up. You know, Caleb First, I think, has been doing a, a pretty good job since he's been elevated to a, a starting role once Mason Gillis had his back issues. Um, first is six foot ten, and I think that people don't realize he's six foot ten because Zach Eady's also on the floor. And six foot ten next to seven foot four doesn't look like quite the mass of humanity that it really is. Um He's been a you know great rebounder. He's probably not going to consistently give you 10 to 15 points, but he's capable of giving you 10 to 15 points on any given night. And that's a, a nice luxury to have um, you know, as a second or, or third option. Um, 
And then on top of that, uh, Trey Kaufman Wren had a, a big game against New Orleans, which more than anything was probably good for his confidence. Um, he's capable of doing this. Again, another guy that you know can go out there and give you 20 points um, on any given night. He just doesn't have to or hasn't done it yet. And now he has that under his belt. So that's that's another thing that teams playing Purdue will have to account for. And you know, Coach Painter said after that game, who has the luxury of guys like that that can come off your bench and, and provide that? And he said, well, we do. Um, you know, Not a lot of teams that lose their post are going to be able to back it up with a guy that can come in and, and get 20 points off the bench. But Purdue has that capability. I think Purdue has, and I've said this before, you know, seven, eight guys that can go out there and, and give you 15 or 20 points on any given night. Um, you know, And it's not going to be an every night thing. It's going to be uh, there'll be a game, and, and I still believe this, where David Jenkins, who's really struggled to score this year, is going to blow up on somebody, and everybody's going to say, where did this come from? Well, there's a reason that he's here, and uh, it's to score the basketball and shoot the basketball, and he just hasn't done it at a high clip yet. So uh, I expect Purdue to, you know, the, the next game is Florida A&M, um, kind of figure out some more things before it gets real. Once we turn over the calendar uh, on January 2nd, um, you know, Probably just a couple, maybe three hours after the Citrus Bowl wraps up, Purdue will play Rutgers at Mackey Arena, and um, you know already two and zero in conference. Got the win at Nebraska uh, in overtime. Got the win against Minnesota. So you're in a good position, and you know at home you would think Purdue beats Rutgers. I imagine Zach Eady's going to be back moving forward. It sounded like it was just a an, an illness that. You know, woke up and hey, I don't feel well. Well, okay, we don't want you around the team if that's the case. So, uh, I think that you know you, you probably win that game and you're three and zero in Big Ten play to start the year. And I know that Rutgers, Nebraska, and Minnesota isn't you know the, the top tier Big Ten teams, but you're still three and zero in the Big Ten, and every win is important. So uh, I see those as, as very valuable before you head to. Ohio State after that, which is going to be the you know a big test in, in determining um, probably where these teams all fall at the end of the season. Um, it is just one game, but it is also a, a road game for Purdue that you win on the road. I don't care who it is in the Big Ten. Um, that's kind of some found gold, as you know, volleyball coach at Purdue, Dave Shondell, always says. Uh, any road win in the Big Ten is just you know kind of a bonus. You expect to win your home matches. Uh, you go on the road, and, and those are, are bonuses, and that's what really where the, the teams kind of separate themselves. So I don't have much else to say. I'll kind of wrap this up. I just know it's been a couple weeks. Some people have asked me, hey, is that going to be a recurring thing, the Boilers Extra podcast that you're doing? Um, it is. I've had a couple things. It's been the holidays. I've had some uh, off time from work uh, for various reasons that have not allowed me to do this, and on top of this, um, you got to bear with me because I'm currently the lone man in the sports staff trying to cover high schools, cover Purdue football during a coaching change and an upcoming bowl game and cover men's basketball while also keeping my eye on, you know, the other sports at Purdue, you know, women's basketball, obviously being 10 and two right now deserves some, some pub and, you know, probably, uh, something I've got to get to, uh, come January. So, uh, I'll kind of sign off with that. Uh, plan to do these more frequently, um, probably next coming up after the Rutgers basketball game, and we can recap that and the Citrus Bowl, um, maybe coming to you from 
a hotel in Orlando. Um, I'm sure yet. Maybe I can do it as an homage to uh, my former co-worker Mike Carmen and do it from a car with the flashing turn signals and and all of that. Um, we'll see. Don't know. I'm still kind of trying to get my footing with um, with doing everything. So I will definitely get it kind of ironed out here in the coming weeks and figure out the best course of action for uh, carrying on this, this load while I can um, right now. But uh, I appreciate you all for checking in. Again, you can send questions if you have any or um, you know, I don't even have to answer them here. I can answer them through email or, or through social media. Uh, I'm at Samuel T. King on Twitter and Instagram, sking at jconline.com email. And uh, I'll talk to you again next time. Probably, uh, probably be Monday evening or early Tuesday.